to the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. If you haven't joined us before, we're passionate about all things internal medicine and helping you become the best tech you can be. We'll be discussing interesting internal medicine diseases, how to work closely with pet parents, and how to become the go-to tech in your practice. Now, let's start the show. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. Thanks so much for listening and making a commitment to learning. I hope everybody is doing well. I'm your host. I am Jordan Porter, joined by the wonderful Yvonne Brandenburg again. Hi. <laughs> Good morning. I talked to I talked so to early. Bailey this morning. It is. I talked to Bailey a little bit this morning, and I was like, man, this would be a good episode for you to join just because it's like educational for you, um, especially considering our incident with Scott two weeks ago. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, yeah. Huh. This is funny. Yeah. Um, which, guys, we're talking about chocolate toxicity today. Uh, Scott, obviously, um, he ate a bag of chocolate chips two weeks ago. So we got to go through this and learn about it. But my kids weren't home then. So like I didn't get mm. the chance to be like, this is what we do and this is why. Um, so and it wasn't it was kind of their fault. Technically they're one they're the ones who left the chocolate chips out or oh. it was Pappy. Who knows? Um but it's it's been there's been a lot of stuff going on since the kids have gotten back. Like we secretively got ducks while the kids were gone during spring break <laughs> like we didn't tell them we didn't oh, did they go to ducks. grandma and grandpa's yeah they went to uh, house in Tennessee. Nice. okay um so and the same day that scott ate the chocolate chips was the day that we got the ducks <laughs> oh that's funny um so yeah we got the ducks and we i think we did the ducks right actually because like we went into the feed store again not intending to get any more animals but they had these like teenager ducks down on the bottom and everybody who's going in and out was buying like all the baby chicks. And I felt bad for all the teenagers because they were like crammed in this box because they were getting too big to be in there. And so I was talking to the feed store about it and they're like, yeah, we're getting ready to move them to a bigger pen. It's just nobody wants the bigger ones. I was like, that's dumb because the bigger ones, like they're still chicks. So like you still get to bond with them, Mm -hmm. but they're big enough that we could just put them straight outside and like didn't have to like keep a heat lamp on them and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and do like the chick feed and stuff so we i got i bought three of them at first then we got home and i was (laughs) (laughs) i'm pretty sure everybody knows where this is going (laughs) yeah so i told matt though i was like man i feel really bad for the ones that are left he's like yeah but we don't even know how many are left and i was like no but i know that there's not like that many left like i feel really bad i was like should i go back and get them he's like yeah but only if there's like another like three more if there's any more than three don't get any more and we'll just keep our three that we got and like call it good and I was like okay well they had five left so I bought all five (laughs) even though Matt told me not to (laughs) (laughs) I told him it was payback for when I told him he could only buy four to six chickens and he bought 12 oh my god what okay well you only bought two more he bought six more yeah and the, that was yeah. the feed store's fault. They're like, you're the wife of the guy who said that he was only allowed to buy six chickens. And I was like, yeah, thanks, guys. <laughs> and so I did tell them that I was banning them because they keep talking us into buying birds. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God. It's so funny. It's so They're funny like, too, you're a sucker. Take them. <laughs> they are. like, But it's so funny because when I went back for the other five, this guy who was helping me get them, he's like, you know that they will get homes, right? And I was like, shh, just... I was like, no, they won't. He's like, 
they will. They always get bought. And I was like, knock it off, sir. I was like, do you want me to buy these or not? And he's like, I'm just letting you know. <laughs> I was like, so. Oh my God, that's so funny. But I will say they are so cute. And it had rained for like a whole day here. And then in the back of the chicken pen where they are, um, there's like a ditch. So it like floods a little bit or when it rains. Well, they had a field day in that area yesterday. And so mm-hmm. I told Matt, I was like, we got to build a pond back there. It's so cute. We don't have any, we only have names for one of them. One of them's name is Shooter um, <laughs> from Happy Gilmore. Yep. <laughs> uh, <laughs> even though I'm pretty sure Shooter's a girl, but like eh, still. Um and despite the fact that we've had some of these chickens for over a year, we just came up with names this morning for two of them. Mm. So we have now sushi and ramen. Because <laughs> uh, before we started recording, we were talking about your cat's names. Because <laughs> <laughs> Jordan actually gets to see my cats because I'm in the house instead of in the she shack recording. So, yeah. 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 I know. So they're well- actually they're they're tripping out right now because I'm I'm on the second story with where my office is so it kind of overlooks things and the cats are they're tripping on my like they're running to my window and sitting in there because um the turkeys are out so they're they're just like running around and like the boys are like showing off their tail feathers and stuff and the cats are like and I'm like okay (laughs) I will say that's probably my favorite thing about cats is they're chirping oh god so cute you got to like, get some videos and share it. Okay. I'll have to, sometimes they, they don't do it all the time. So I'm just like, I got to like catch them doing it. Like right now she's just staring very intently and doing the like aggressive tail swish. Mm-hmm. Like, Ooh, I want that bird. I'm like, okay. So. Which is, I, I love the chirping. Can you yeah. believe uh, we celebrated the puppy's second birthday the other day? That's crazy to me that it's been two years since Pua had her babies. I know. I know. It's wild. Two years. Wow. I don't even know what to do with it. It's it's nice because like they're getting to that age where like they're not like freaking wild anymore. Mm, right. <laughs> like, they're yeah, not, they're like, not they're not teenagers. Yeah. Like they're they're a little bit more mature. They're not chewing up a as much like random stuff in the backyard and like just the chocolate that's fine (laughs) Uh, food is a different story like and we like we've been we've been like spending more time with the puppies out back and like just training them like because it used to be where if we would go out back with them like riley specifically like his only job is to protect us and so he thought the only thing he needed to protect us from was moo so they would like almost get into a fight almost every time we would like go out back with them Mm. and so now i'm working on training them to not do that obviously um i have this like bark button actually and riley hates it but it's a great training tool man like he like as soon as he growls at moomoo when i'm out back i like hit the button and he's like instantly he walks away and he's like all right i'm done i'm not i'm like perfect so we've Mm. been spending more time with them and um which like they get like alone time in the house and stuff like that occasionally but like I like sitting outside now that it's nice outside, obviously, like I'm recording outside now. Um, so like getting them to not like climb all over me has been like a chore as well. But because they're getting more mature, they don't do it as much, except for when we take food out there because they're very food driven. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I learned this morning that they like strawberries. Oh, I mean, I don't blame them. Strawberries are good. 
I've just never had a dog that eats fruit and like Bonnie loves bananas. And so I gave oh my her God, really? My dog yeah. loved fruit, fruit and vegetables. Like they oh, really? would just sit there and start drooling for it. Yeah. It was really crazy. I've never had dogs who like fruit. So it's like kind of weirding me out. And like the way they, <laughs> <laughs> like they like everything. <laughs> like Yeah. Well, they're, they're growing dogs. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's wild, but anyway, um, we're talking about chocolate toxicity, which again, <laughs> right? is good timing considering Scott just went through this, but obviously he's fine. Um, we did decontamination and stuff like that. So we're going to talk about a little bit uh, behind the mechanics of what is chocolate toxicity. Um, so chocolate toxicosis is the syndrome uh, that results from eating an excessive amount of methylxanthine containing chocolate products. I don't know if I'm saying that word right, but I feel like that I feel like methylxanthine is, is how you would say it. I think that it feels right. Yeah. Um, and so it's not the chocolate itself that pets are susceptible to. It's like the, this component within it. So um, it's chemical. So there's also uh, theobromine as well as caffeine. So these are the, like the main products that's going to cause the toxicity in pets. It can affect lots of pets. Uh, it's just it's more common in dogs because dogs tend to have dietary indiscretion where they. Right. But it can happen to cats. It happens to farm animals, too, that eat like that are around like cocoa beans and stuff like that and can eat those. Huh. Um, so it, it can happen. But for the sake of this episode and for the sake of the fact that we do small animal, we're going to be talking mostly dogs because cats just don't do that as often. They my can. cat got really interested in chocolate the other day and I was like what are you I was like back off back off and he was like but I want it he's also like I think he's part dog because he does like want to eat everything I do love dog cats I'm just like dude stop it <laughs> I love is is it your orange cat I feel like it would be your orange it's cat. not my orange cat it's is it baby, baby cat Oh. <laughs> he's such a turd he so thinks naughty. he's like the head of the house like that's the problem and yeah. we were joking we were totally joking the other day that um he's like nicodemus reincarnated because nicodemus was like our old man cat who like ruled the roost like he was super chill but he would always break into things and eat things inappropriately and i was like i think baby cat is is Nicodemus like just reincarnated and Kevin was like, Ooh, I think you're right. <laughs> Cause right? like he's, he's like super chill. And then he like, isn't, <laughs> and yeah. he tries to break into everything. He was on top of our kitchen cabinets the other day. Like he figured out how to do that. And I was like, I, I, you, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> I love baby cat though. Like I'm, I'm not a cat person, but he's so beautiful. And like, he knows it too. Like, he oh knows. yeah, he knows it's because everybody loves him. So he, anytime anyone comes over, he's the first one to be like, who are you? Come say hi. And everybody's like, Oh, so he gets like all the attention when anybody comes over. Cause he's always out in front. And he's yeah. a good looking cat though. Like I would love to love on him. And he tried to love on me when I was there visiting his baby. And it's like, <laughs> you're like, I'm going to die. Uh, allergic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel like it'd be more dangerous now because I haven't been around cats in so long. Oh, oh boy. Like, I really like. Uh, I'll get I you a, 
I'll get you a um a tent for when you come over to my house. <laughs> right. I'll just sleep in your guys' work shed. I mean, we have several options, so it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, but yeah, that- so so he would eat chocolate. Like that would be he if he could, he totally would. Yeah. Yeah. He's a turd. Yeah, gotta love it. He's he's beautiful though. It's anyway. his blue eyes. It really is. It's like Pua. Like she had resting bitch face for sure, but man, she was beautiful. Like she was a scary looking dog, but like if you got past the resting bitch face, she was so pretty. Yeah. I feel like that's probably what people say about me. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> You're best. You do not have resting bitch face. You're fine. Really? Because I've told I've I've been told by people that I'm very intimidating looking. And hmm. it like it shocks me every time I hear it. Maybe I just know you too well. Maybe that's the problem. I think that's it. Anyway, <laughs> but back to chocolate toxicity. So um <laughs> while there is like a guideline for like the amount of chocolate or the amount of these chemicals that mm-hmm. could cause toxicity in the in, in pets, there's obviously gonna be individual sensitivity. So the toxicity level can can vary based on on pets like technically scotty ate enough that according to most chocolate calculators was a toxic dose right and like could have been Mm. considered fatal but like i think that like just based on how he reacted to it and like how he did like i don't know if his sensitivity to it was super high (laughs) well and i think you got i think you decontaminated him pretty freaking quickly yeah i did it was within like an hour so yeah oh what a day what a day i was there for that that was so fun (laughs) you were but and it's funny i was making fun of matt about this because i was like man if things would have went differently and like scott wouldn't have handled it well we wouldn't have bought ducks (laughs) i was like because we would have been like in the er (laughs) oh like so we got the ducks because scott was fine Um, oh my god that's so funny yeah, same day. Gotta love it. Anyway, theobromine is the main toxin in chocolate. Uh, it re it it metabolizes very similarly to caffeine. Caffeine is still an issue. Caffeine kind of does its own side effects to the body. Um, both. I think chemi- it's interesting because if you look at the chemical name, so theobromine is dimethylxanthine, um, and then caffeine is trimethylxanthine. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense that they work the same way. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and both chemicals are used, um, they're used medically, like in in practice as a diuretic, as a heart stimulant, blood vessel dilator, mm. and smooth muscle relaxant, right? Like the goal is to open up the ve- those vessels and and then draw fluids out, right? And stimulate yeah. the heart to pump, but then also like not pump super hard. <laughs> so it's like, it's interesting how, how it works, but dogs can't metabolize theobromine and caffeine as well as people can, which is why some mm. dogs are more sensitive to the chemical effects than we are i imagine though that just like in dogs and cats and pets and stuff like that humans also have sensitivity like right like there's that mm-hmm. you know how, like i've always thought this like my kids don't get like super hyped up on sugar like some people will complain that their kids just get wired on sugar my kids don't do that mm. but um i've never been the type to get like wild on sugar versus matt oh my god oh my god <laughs> When Matt yeah. eats an excessive amount of sugar, that dude you'd swear was like a hummingbird or something like the <laughs> amount of energy he gets. So it is, 
it's well and you know like people like same thing with like chocolate like some people just can't handle it like they're more susceptible to it so I bet it's probably similar in people um it'd be interesting if I mean I guess you could get chocolate toxicosis if you eat enough of it I imagine you'd have to eat a lot because like if we're able to metabolize those chemicals yeah anyway so uh Yvonne kind of already mentioned that there's uh there's primary like principles like toxic principles and so we have the di uh dimethyl xanthine and then the trimethyl xanthine um typically in chocolate the theobromine in chocolate is 3 to 10 times greater than the amount of caffeine um oh, concentration but both contribute to the clinical signs seen in, in chocolate toxicosis that we see. Uh, because pets vary and because there's just a natural variation in chocolates of the amount of methyl xanthines, um, obviously there's a variation in the uh, how much a pet- How potent it is, yeah. yeah. Exactly. So there's a general rule though, um, that the total methyl xanthine concentration of dry cocoa powder is about 800 milligrams per ounce. So uh, 28.5 milligrams per gram. Unsweetened like Baker's chocolate is roughly about 450 milligrams per ounce or 16 milligrams per gram. Semi-sweet oh, wow. Mm-hmm. That's like almost half. That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, semi-sweet chocolate, which is what Scott got the other day, in, and sweet dark chocolate is about 150 to 160 milligrams per ounce. So obviously we're getting much wow. lower. Wow. Yeah. Lower. That's like a third of it. That's crazy. Yeah. So that would be 5.4 to 5.7 milligrams per gram. And then we have our wonderful milk chocolate. That's not horrible, right? Uh, that's about 64 milligrams per ounce. So 2.3 milligrams per gram. So as you can see, dry cocoa Dude, powder. I was going to say milk chocolate compared to dry cocoa powder. It's like 10 times as potent. Yeah. And then white chocolate's not even on the list, right? Right. Because like, there's so like no chocolate actually in it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there is, but there's not. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so again. Right. Hopefully you might have to edit cat noises out because now they're playing with like toys with bells. It's all right. So as, as we've stated, and I think the, the main takeaway from chocolate toxicosis is theobromine and caffeine are going to be those toxic principles in chocolate toxicities, right? Mm-hmm. These are readily absorbed in the GI tract, and then they're distributed throughout the body and metabolized by the liver, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's one of those things that because it, it's pretty quickly absorbed by the GI tract, like we can see signs pretty quickly. Um these two components also inhibit inhibit cellular adenosine receptors. And what happens when that happens is it typically results in our CNS stimulation, diuresis, and tachycardia. Right. Uh, I will say I did notice uh, that Scott was drinking and peeing more than normal after his decontamination, but he vomited several times. <laughs> right. It was it wasn't a wild amount of PUPD. It was like what I would expect from vomiting. Mm. Um, spoiler alert, that's a sign, Uh, (laughs) but I think most um, people know that one, (laughs) right? These methyl xanthines are, they also increase intracellular calcium levels because they increase the cellular calcium entry and inhibit cellular intracellular sequestration of calcium. Um, 
that's what's going to affect our like muscle tone and like the vasodilation that's going to happen. So what it does is it actually increases the strength and contractility of skeletal and cardiac muscle. So again, our heart's pumping faster Mm, and harder and harder, which makes sense. Like if you've drank like four Red Bulls in a day, your heart's like beating super fast and you're like, oh my God. (laughs) Yeah. I was thinking about it and I think like people just tend to be more susceptible to caffeine, I think, than Mm. theobromine. I mean, I guess it depends on the people, but yeah. I mean, I guess it makes sense, right? You hear about like overdoses on like energy drinks, right? From like caffeine and stuff like that, but like not most people aren't going to eat enough chocolate to have those side effects, but those side effects do exist in humans now that I think about it. Yeah. And I'm, I'm just thinking like, probably like it's, it's, it's dose dependent. Right. So I would think like kids are going to be more susceptible to it. Like if you eat too much chocolate, you're going to get vomiting and diarrhea. (laughs) Like you upset your stomach. (laughs) Pretty much. Yeah. (laughs) But like the clinical signs from caffeine don't generally happen unless someone's pounding down energy drinks. Yeah. You know, like my days Depends when I on drink, like, how co- concentrated caffeine is. Although I will say there's definitely been studies that say that there's a lot more side effects that we're not paying attention to that we drink way too much caffeine as I wonder where my caffeine is right now. I know as I look <laughs> at my third cup of coffee sitting next to me. <laughs> I like literally rolled out of bed and came up here to record. So I haven't even had my coffee yet. So I'm I'm feeling it. I'm sorry. F- especially talking about caffeine. <laughs> yeah. Your body's like aching for you're like, like I know where is it? <laughs> yeah. Anyway. I mean the, the the interesting thing is like if 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 you've I mean if you've dealt with chocolate toxicosis in clinic, which a lot of people have, cause it's a super common thing. I mean, typically we're talking about these clinical signs that we're going to see happening within six to 12 hours of, of them eating it. Um, which is hard because if, you know, if you're around and you see them eating it, that's one thing. But if you don't see them eating it, like if you're at work and you come home and you find all these clinical signs in your house, um, the problem is you can't decontaminate them, which I'm, I know we'll talk about in a, in a few, but um, I think that's one of those big things is like, you want to get it out of them as, as quick as you can. So they don't absorb all of it because it, it, it's not just chocolate yeah, but- toxicity, but it's also like the pancreatitis that can be associated with just dietary indiscretion. <laughs> so well, yeah, because I mean, like there is a high fat content in chocolate products. So like if you get mm-hmm. that schnauzer who's already had pancreatitis, like, mm-hmm. sorry, schnauzers, I'm not trying to be like biased here, <laughs> but like <laughs> you're predisposed to it, schnauzers. It's okay. So as Yvonne kind of already alluded to, though, like mild signs are generally generally going to be vomiting, diarrhea, polydipsia, right? Uh, we can see those signs starting to occur when dogs ingest about 20 milligrams per kid. Um, Generally, we're going to see some of those cardiotoxic effects that can be seen, uh, like tachycardia and things like that, when pets eat about 40 to 50 milligrams per kg, and then seizures can actually occur at greater than 60 mg per kg. Which, and if you think about that, I mean, if you're talking cardiogenic, right? mm -hmm. That, like, if you're talking, and this is why we ask people all the time, like, is it baker's chocolate or is it milk chocolate 
because that's two grams. Yeah. I don't know about you, but that's not a lot of chocolate for a dog to eat. No. Um, and so that's, that's why it's really important for us to understand, like, you know, was it solid chocolate? Was it a hollow chocolate? Like how many grams of chocolate did we have? And then you got to extrapolate from there because, you know, 40 megs per keg, that's not a lot guys. (laughs) (laughs) It's really not. And so initial signs though, as we kind of stated, polydipsia, vomiting, diarrhea, sometimes we can see even abdominal distension, restlessness, right? Like things are getting gassy and uncomfortable and we're, Mm. we're, we're starting to have, have some discomfort there. So, and then we'll see signs progress usually to things like hyperactivity, polyuria, right? Like they're drinking a lot. Eventually they're going to pee a lot. We can see ataxia because then we're starting to get CNS involvement. We can see rigidity, uh, rigidity, uh, tremor seizures. Like we kind of already talked about, we talked about tachycardia. So they can even get uh premature ventricular contractions, right? So <laughs> that's crazy. So tachycardia and PVCs great. Yep. Then, and then, right. Logically thinking we can expect tachypnea, cyanosis, hypertension, right. Hyperthermia because our blood vessels have constricted, right. Our, 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 uh, our blood pressure has gone up. Then we're panting and we're restless. And so then we can develop hyperthermia. So we're getting warm and our body is trying to break down things. Sometimes we can even then see it reverse and we can see bradycardia, right. Like, and then we can see hypotension. Uh, and then, and then coma, that's fine. That's no big fine. deal. The body's like, can't do it anymore. I'm just going to go into a coma. It's cool. I mean, it would be very confusing, right? If your heart's like beating like crazy and then all of a sudden it just drastically slows down and your body's just like, well, and you've got the CNS depression and all that stuff. Ugh. Especially when you have CNS depression, right? Like the brain's already, the brain and the CNS is already affected right so it's already confused on what the body's supposed to be doing let alone when it's supposed to be trying to correct and it's already malfunctioning yeah uh some some late term signs that we can see is hypokalemia uh that can also contribute to our cardiac dysfunction which is great right so then you're trying to catch up and and repair these things that are happening Death usually is going to occur due to cardiac arrhythmias, hyperthermia, or respiratory failure. I will say a lot of the research that I did said death is generally rare. Like if it's going to occur, it's going to be that dog that eats a ton of baking chocolate or like straight cocoa powder. Yeah. Um, that might be smaller, right? And that we just don't see and the signs. Maybe I was the pet- say, and they don't get treated. Yep. And like those, those pet parents go to work, right? The dog eats yeah. chocolate while they're at work and eight hours goes by before they come home and see something's wrong. So I wonder, it, I know this is like, again, this is my weird brain going. I wonder like how many chocolate toxicity deaths there are that like, we just don't even know about. And we think about this, like almost every episode we have, right? Especially if someone does bring a pet into clinic, right? And they don't know what's wrong whatsoever like you run blood work, right? And like, as a vet clinic, like you don't know what's wrong. Like, especially if the pet parents didn't see and they didn't find anything at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get a dog in a coma, you run blood work, you start fluids, right? And then you see that they're hypokalemic or something, right? And then you just probably assume Addisonian crisis, right? Yeah, I mean, I guess it depends on like where they're at in the, the cycle. Although, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, a lot of times they have vomiting and diarrhea ahead of time. 
That's true. And it looks like chocolate. <laughs> yeah. Cause the body's trying to get rid of the chocolate. So maybe it doesn't happen as often as we think. I mean, I, I doubt it happens as often as we think, but I do still think that like it could potentially happen in cats, right? Again, a cat eats chocolate first thing in the morning, dies before the pet parent gets home from work, right? And then you just have a mysterious sudden death. I just, I don't yeah. think it happens mm-hmm. as often as we think, but I bet you it's happened. Obviously, everything's probably happened at least once. <laughs> right? <laughs> uh Anyway, and then as Yvonne kind of already said, too, because there's a high fat content in chocolate, again, we can trigger pancreatitis. Sorry, schnauzers. I already. (laughs) Differential diagnosis here is going to be difficult. It's going to be based on if the pet parent saw chocolate or residual chocolate or saw it happen. Otherwise, I feel like if a pet comes into clinic and we have no idea and just for some reason, maybe they did vomit, but the pet parent didn't see it before they came to the clinic and then they're not vomiting by the time we see them, right? Like we have differentials of just a miscellaneous toxin, right? Like, so we're kind Mm -hmm. of on the right track. Uh, We can have any sort of GI upset, but it depends on if they're showing CNS signs. So then again, we might be thinking something congenital, something liver related, like a hepatic shunt. Uh, We think Addison's crisis if we're seeing hypokalemia, but then the hypernatremia is not there. So maybe, I don't know. I feel like the differential list could be like so long based on whether or not chocolate was seen. <laughs> like, Yeah. I mean, I think most of it is toxicity though, right? Cause it's such a yeah. sudden onset that I think that's probably the thing that gets on top of the list first, you know? I agree. I agree. Like when people come through, like my work th- come through chats and they start saying signs like that, usually we're like, we don't know what is going on, but it sounds like it might be a toxin Yeah, and we just kind of, go along with one of those things uh diagnostics if it's a known chocolate toxicity (laughs) chocolate in the vomit (laughs) yeah like if it's known generally there's not going to be a lot of diagnostics like you probably going to run just baseline blood work a comprehensive chemistry and a cbc just to see what our uh potassium level is and what our hydration status is and things like that but I think it depends too, like how soon it was caught. Like if it was caught really quickly, I don't think people do baseline lab work. No, But if it's been like, if they came home and saw their animal having issues, I think that's when like diagnostics get run. Cause it's like, oh, they've already had vomiting and diarrhea. All right. Well, yeah. And of course, like we might hook up an ECG or something like that to monitor heart arrhythmias and things like that. But like, Mm -hmm. Like Yvonne said, like if it's initial, like someone sees their dog eat chocolate and then goes straight to the ER, right? Like generally we're not going to be doing diagnostics. Yeah. We're just going to talk about treatment. So typically stabilization of symptomatic patients is priority, right? So we're going to place an IV catheter. There are drugs that we can give to suppress some of the CNS, uh, CNS signs. Like I believe I saw methocarbamol was one of them. And I was like, whoa, like because it relaxes those tremors and stuff. Mm, it probably helps with like the hyperthermia and everything too. Yeah. It, it's just relaxing those muscle tremors and things like that, which is pretty crazy. But generally treatment is again, stabilizing a symptomatic patient. But once a patient is stable or they present before clinical signs have developed, typically within one hour of ingestion, then usually we're just going to be decontaminating. 
So what decontaminating is, is usually induction of uh, emesis via administration, apomorphine or hydrogen peroxide. Apomorphine Ooh. is obviously. The hydrogen peroxide, uh, it's so out of favor. Hydrogen peroxide is like what people do at home because they read on the internet. It's what yeah, I the problem. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. It's just like there's so many reports now that that hydrogen peroxide can cause problems that it, we don't even recommend it anymore. I agree. And it's not recommended in cats, right? Like, and um, I don't think it should be recommended in brachycephalic breeds and things like that, yeah. right? The risk for aspiration pneumonia, like secondary to this is so high just in general, let alone trying to administer a significant amount of a liquid like hydrogen peroxide. Apomorphine's quicker. It's easy. It's less dirty. It's great. I love apomorphine. Man, when we started doing apo. Oh, and then they developed injectable apomorphine. And I was like, holy cow, this is a game changer. It was great. Uh, in the rare instances that a pet may have been sedated because of seizure activity or they're comatose, you sometimes gastric lavage might be considered just, again, trying to reduce that risk of like, obviously, you're not going to try to make a comatose or sedated patient vomit, right? So we got to do something to try to decontaminate that pet. And then there's activated charcoal, which is usually administered at one to four grams per kg by mouth, uh, which is great fun. We all know how wonderfully messy uh, activated charcoal is and how black, oh, so black it is. Uh, <laughs> and it gets on everything. But because the methylxanthines are recirculated like enterohepatically, so meaning that it just continues to circulate between the gut and the liver, right? Repeated doses of activated charcoal should be administered every 12 hours in symptomatic patients as long as the signs are present. Once the signs resolve, then we can stop the activated charcoal. Uh, other treatments for symptomatic patients are going to include, again, just monitoring that cardiac status via uh, ECGs, correction of acid base and electrolyte abnormalities with IV fluids, management of body temperature, uh, just because Again, we have the risk of hyperthermia, so we want to make sure that we're not developing that hyperthermic patient. And then urinary catheter placement is sometimes done just because methylxanthines and their metabolites are generally reabsorbed via the bladder. So again, if we want to really oh, wow. try to decontaminate a pet, and they're showing significant signs, again, though, too, right? Like if a pet's comatose or showing seizure activity, a urinary catheter could be good. Right. It's just another yeah. way of decontaminating. It's not a go to, uh, but clinical signs can persist for up to 72 hours in severe cases. So often those pets are remaining in the hospital for 72 hours or more uh, while de decontamination is going on. Yeah. I, you know, the urinary catheter, I mean, that's interesting. Like I didn't even think about the fact that they could reabsorb through mm -hmm. the bladder. Like that's crazy. So you're trying to decontaminate them and they're urinating it out, but it's like being reabsorbed. Like that's crazy. Yeah. yeah. The longer so. the, the urine sits in the bladder, it gets reabsorbed. So it does make sense, right? Like when yeah. you cath in, like their bladder doesn't get full, like all urine just goes outside the bladder Ow. immediately. <laughs> yeah. uh, so it does, it does make sense. I will say very specifically, like I took Scott to pee every like 15 to 30 minutes because I was like, I know it reabsorbs in the bladder. And so I'm just going to make sure that he's constantly yeah. empty. So that was fun. Uh, like I said, he never showed signs. I think I did like what I did was a little overkill, <laughs> but I was like, just making sure. 
trying yeah. not to kill my dog before his second birthday. <laughs> right. Client communication should involve the fact that people generally feel super guilty for this. But again, me being a vet tech, it happens, right? Like yeah. human error, dogs love miscellaneous food and like nobody should ever feel bad about that. Like it happens. The people that should feel bad about it are the people that gift chocolate, especially around Christmas, but don't warn people that it's chocolate and that it gets under the Christmas tree and the dogs eat it. Mm, that's a good point. Or repeat offenders, like put your chocolate up at some point. Yeah. Like now, like we've, we now have a general rule that no chocolate should be sitting on the counter table <laughs> like at yeah. any time. <laughs> Yeah, we've we've seen so many, especially because I don't know. Do you guys have C's candy on your side of the world? What is it? C's candy. It's chocolate. No. Okay, so C's candy. It comes in a box, and it is like it. The West Coast. It is like what we give. Like clinics get it for Christmas. Like we'll get five pound boxes of chocolate for Christmas. Like it's crazy. But oh, it's cow. super common to give it as a Christmas gift, and we've seen so many dogs come in that got into the box of chocolates under the Christmas tree. And it's like, well, thanks for giving me chocolates and wrapping it up and not telling me that it's chocolate that my dog's going to eat. Cause invariably the dogs will get into it. Um, thanks so- for giving me a $2,000 medical bill before Christmas. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, so there's that. Um, yeah. And That's I think, funny. I think the other part of client communication and just cautions in general is hydrogen peroxide. Um, you just want to make sure that, that someone, again, it's not always recommended because people don't do it correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, because there, you can do toxic doses of hydrogen peroxide. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are some cases where they've had, um, like just esophageal or stomach, um, irritation yeah irritation slash ulcers and so you get like bleeding and perforation well i know that's the risk in cats though too is they run the risk of like esophageal stricturing because of it yeah so just it's you just want to make sure that it's not the first thing that you suggest Mm -hmm. um you know we recommend coming into the hospital and getting an injection um if on being monitored for vomiting yeah. 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 Like if it's a last resort hydrogen peroxide, I yeah. would prefer people did. I know that there's things out there where people give like vinegar mixed with mustard and salt or something to make pets Ooh. vomit. And I'm like, Oh Excuse? my God. <laughs> yeah. That sounds horrible. I mean, that would make me vomit as soon as it touched my lips. So I feel like it would be right. very effective. <laughs> like, oh my God. That's so true. Like vinegar, salt, and mustard. Like I, you're almost to like, I really, I don't know. That's I'm not a mustard fan in general. So I don't like vinegar or mustard. So yeah, yeah. I think I'd be there right with you and be like, nope, I'm I'm done. Right, <laughs> like super effective. Yeah. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention is Pet Poison Helpline is great. We yeah. direct a lot of toxicities to Pet Poison Hotline because that's what they do, right? Like the, mm-hmm. this is their jam. They're going to give all, they know exactly what chocolate does to the body. Um, and they know how much it is usually a $65 fee per incident, but it usually includes follow-ups too, uh, including consultations. 
for the duration of the poison case. And this includes the pet parent talking to pet poison hotline, as well as veterinarians who are treating the pet in one of these situations. It's only available in North America right now by calling this wonderful phone number 1-800-213-6680 if anybody ever needs that. But again, very easy to find on Google. Um, and a lot more information can be found at petpoisonhelpline.com as well. There's a lot of other um, poison hotlines too. There's ASPCA and things like that as well. Yeah, uh, we use the ASPCA pretty frequently at my work. The other thing too is whatever, whichever one you guys recommend to, in your clinic, two things, make sure clients know that there is a fee associated with it and yeah. to write down a case number. So yeah. like if we can follow up with like the, the, for treatment of whatever toxicity, you know, if it's chocolate or one of the other ones, just making sure that we can reference it and talk to the consultants, um, that's going to be huge. And, um, it's up to your clinic, how they want to do it. Like we had a, basically for us, it was, if we called the poison control, we obviously did not charge the 65 or whatever the fee is, it would be upcharged, right? Like yeah. if we're calling, we're going to, we're going to charge you for it. So it's better for you to call, <laughs> give them your information and then it's, it's less expensive for the client. So, well, and a lot of times it's just too, one thing like, to kind of think about. People will generally call the clinic before they start heading that way. They're like, Hey, my dog ate chocolate. Mm -hmm. What do I do? You say call poison control. They have a fee, but call on your way in, get a case number. And by the time you get here, we'll have a plan of action of what to do. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, chocolate toxicity is interesting. Uh, uh you know, for being in this career, as long as I have been, like it's been what, 15, 16 years now. I feel like I've been saying 15 years for a while. So I think, I'm not sure, <laughs> where I'm but, um, uh, I haven't seen chocolate toxicity cases too often. Like I could probably count mm -hmm. on one hand, how many times I've treated chocolate toxicity. Yeah. But did you work in general practice? I did. Yeah. Like if I worked in, but ER, how long did you work in? I am. Like I am is uh, not going to see. No, no, no. I, I definitely didn't, I didn't see it in I am, but like, that's what I mean. Like, I think I can count on one hand how many times yeah. I see because I saw zero times in I am. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, I saw the patients in CCU <laughs> yeah, that yeah, ER yeah. was dealing with and sometimes we'd consult on them, but. <laughs> yeah. I, I agree that I've seen them in the ER, but I've yeah. never like. I dealt with just a few of them in general practice and it was yeah. generally like we would make a vomit and then we would like, I don't know if we did see them. I never saw a severe case. Let me just put it that way. Yeah. I saw mostly like just the decontamination ones. Yeah. Um, and I had a handful where they were severe. Um, yeah, I've never, I've never so. actually personally dealt with a severe one i've seen severe ones yeah. but i've never personally dealt with them yeah but, when i worked in general practice we saw a ton of chocolate toxicity um and i think that's and honestly most of the times it was around christmas because everybody got into the christmas chocolate and we were like great awesome thanks see i east i feel like southern east coast people gift like homemade things like candles and soaps no, yeah, and like okay. right. you know like uh, we don't get a lot of chocolate and if we do get like snacks it's always like popcorn or these cheese straw things um which are <laughs> a big deal i learned uh so yeah we don't like get a lot of chocolate gifting 
Well, West Coast is all about chocolate. Seas candy. Okay, Seas candy. It's like the Lucille Ball episode. Have you seen the one where she's working on? That's Seas candy. I see. I see. Yeah, that little conveyor belt incident. And she's like shoving them all in. Yeah. Yeah. I got her. That's how the dogs react. They're like, I'm just going to shovel it all in. (laughs) What if I reacted with a, who's Lucille Ball? (laughs) Oh my God. I would die. I was talking to Bailey this morning um, because I was listening to just like my music that I normally listen to, Mm -hmm. Um, like my emo music, she likes to call it. And a song came on and it was by Motion City Soundtrack. And she's like, why do you still know all the words to the song? I was like, I don't know. I've been listening to it for 20 years. And she was like, really 20 years? And so I asked, I was like, Alexa, how, like, when was this song released? And it was like in 2005. And I was like, oh, that's not that bad. And then I started counting. I was like, holy crap, that's fi- that's 18 years ago. <laughs> I was like, wow, I'm old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So but anyway. not, I'm older, so there you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Details. When I think about the 80s being 40 years ago, that blows my mind. Yeah. Because, like, it doesn't seem like it's that long ago. And then I'm like, oh, no, I was a kid in the 80s, right? Yeah, that was a long time ago. Do we bring up Teddy Ruxpin again? I've been sending Bailey, <laughs> I've been sending Bailey, like, these, like, Instagram videos that pop up on my feed of, like, uh, being a 90s kid and stuff and, like, all the toys and stuff. So I send them to her to mm. show her, like, what my childhood was. And she's like, I wish I could go back in time to be in the 90s because it seems like so much fun before cell phones and video games. And I was like, yeah, it was. <laughs> I mean, we still had video games in the 90s, just not... <laughs> that's what i showed her i was like we had the best video games in the 90s back like when sonic the hedgehog was a thing and the lion king game on sega and like oh well, and when super mario brothers were still new oh my god and when it was actually <laughs> like not just the racing game and like it was actually like super mario <laughs> brothers <laughs> and <laughs> yeah and donkey kong and oh man yeah good times yeah. good times yeah, yeah. Anyway, back when it was so much easier, you didn't have to instant anything. <laughs> no, but I showed her I was like instant messenger and like freaking LimeWire and like. Ooh, I don't even know that one. <laughs> oh, LimeWire was like the worst of worst things that you could do to your computer, and oh. just like. Anyway, we're getting off topic. <laughs> Thank you so much, everybody, for listening and making a commitment to learning. We are obviously this is going to be the start of our toxicity series, so we're going to be tox- talking about some toxins for the next upcoming weeks. If anybody has any comments, suggestions, ideas, hit us up with them because we're refreshing our next run of podcast episodes. So definitely let us know what you'd like to hear us talk about and have a good week. Yeah. You guys have fun. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. If you like what you heard, we'd love for you to share with someone you think might enjoy the podcast and make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Want to give us a boost? Please leave a review on iTunes or your favorite podcatcher and we'll be sure to say thank you. Find out everything about us at internalmedicineforvettechs.com. Talk to you next week. Bye.